0: This is How to Business and Show Business, where we talk about the business of show, the podcast that discusses ways to work smarter, not harder. If you're a performer at the beginning of your career or a student interested in going into the performing arts, this is the podcast for you. For more about the podcast, you can find our website at businessandshowbusiness.com. There you can learn more about the business of performing arts with coursework, videos with shop talk, and interviews with other professional performers. Now, here's your host.
1: Corbett. Hello, and welcome back to the season finale of How to Business and Show Business. Before we get started, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can stay caught up anytime there's a new post. Now, the moment you have all been waiting for, let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're going to be talking about the MD's perspective with Matthew Stevens. Now, what is an MD? An MD is a music director, in case you may or may not know. Maya I don't know why I just said it like that, Matthew, is a multi-hyphenate somebody, okay? He's a music director. He's a conductor. He's a pianist, and he's a coach. Side note, he's my audition coach, and I thought that he would offer a very unique perspective for actors coming up, and we talk about a wide range of things. Through this episode, we talk about everything from the audition, the in-between, to getting the job, and then when you're on the job. How ego... Is a no-go when you're in the room and how to be a conduit for the storytelling and what could be missing from either your audition process or from the work once you book the job and how to fix that with preparation and connected storytelling and we also talk about rehearsal pet peeves to avoid when you're in the room prior to being in the room we talk about audition cuts how to structure those. What does a 32 and a 16 and an eight bar need to make it juicy and how you can nicely construct that. We also talk about how when you've done the work, how you can show up prepared and ready to play. And if you've done your research on the work, how then you can make smart choices when you're collaborating with the music director. Lastly, just for your knowledge as the listener, Season two of the podcast is a continuation of season one. I found out that I had a lot of recorded interviews left over, hence I made the conscious decision to do what was the remainder left. Now, while some things might have changed since I did these interviews, the information is still the same. So without further ado, here's the music director perspective with Matthew Stevens. So one of the first two things that I like to ask so that people can have a chance to get to know you is who is Matthew Stevens?
0: Uh, Well, Matthew Stevens wears a lot of different hats. because that's what we have to do in the business of show. Uh, but just a little backstory, I grew up on rural farm country in Virginia. Um, I uh, played sports growing up, but wasn't really very good at them. <laughs> and then I kind of discovered band and choir growing up, um, but I was from a rural farm country. So there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities outside of school, except there was a local community theater where I started getting involved as a rehearsal pianist at a very young age at like you know, 15, 16 in high school. and that kind of like turned me on to that whole idea of collaboration and meeting like-minded people um, and that kind of just continued. So, you know, after that I went on to college, I got a big piano scholarship and went on to do graduate school in North Carolina at the North Carolina School of the Arts, Go Fighting Pickles. Uh, At which point I finally got myself to New York City uh, about eight years ago where I was doing an arts education fellowship at Lincoln Center. Um, And I didn't really know that musical direction was my path it just kind of evolved after you know doing education i was like i miss the collaboration element and there's so many incredible artists in new york that i was like i need to get into the scene and then one thing led to another and here we are wait complete
1: side note did i tell you i went to uncsa
0: holy shit did we talk about this
1: uh (laughs) we might not have talked about it but i went uh... So I didn't go for the college portion. I went for the high school portion of it because you know they have they have it broken up. So I don't think our paths would have ever overlapped in that way. But um, yeah, that's so cool. It's so interesting how many people from UNC State who I knew of and or know who have migrated to New York. I'm like not surprised. Okay, I see you. I see you. I see you, fellow fighting pickle. Um, uh, So then, being this, what hobbies and or interests do you have outside of show business?
0: You know, that's such a funny question because I feel like in the arts, we kind of devote our entirety of ourselves to the arts (laughs) and Mm -hmm. our craft, quote unquote. So, you know, for me, it's usually kind of when I'm in between projects, like what other things feeds my soul? So like I have a big love of the outdoors growing up where I did in Virginia. So especially um, COVID times, I'm Mm -hmm. going upstate and hiking a lot. So You know, for me, getting outside has been a big thing. Um, I'm also starting to cook more, Mm. um, like exploring some Barefoot Contessa recipes and not all of them are (laughs) successful, but hey, you know, you got to start somewhere. Um, So, you know, I think uh, finding those non-arts things are crucial Mm. now more than ever.
1: You lightly talked about it, but when did the art of music come into your life?
0: You know, I mean, I started taking piano lessons when I was like um, eight or nine years old. But for me, that was just kind of a hobby. And I don't know, it was a thing like special skill I could do on the talent show at school. I I guess at that age, you don't really have the... um, the future looking vision of, oh, is this gonna become a career path? I mean, it's just something you do. So I guess music has always been present growing up because my mother was also a pianist. And I remember at a very young age being taken to see the Nutcracker in Washington DC, which was a huge thing. And um, rather than focusing on the dancing, I was on the edge of my father's lap and he said, my eyes were never off the maestro in the orchestra pit. I was watching the orchestra the entire time. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's kind of a telling sign that um, this is where I would end up. I didn't know that, but um, (laughs) I guess everybody else did. So music has always been in my life.
1: Since music has been in your life for, it seems like an integral part of your life. Did you ever, throughout your musical career, did you know that being a music director was something that you wanted to do or did it just kind of pick you?
0: little column a little column B um, <laughs> <laughs> you know so often especially with theatrical productions there's turnover and you know especially when I was back in Virginia doing community theater you know at the last minute they're like oh we lost our music director or, oh our MD can't be here for this weekend of shows can you just come in and sub and like play this keys book or you know so a lot of times you're thrust into the situation um, but once you're thrust into it you realize how much you enjoy it and how much Collaboration, excitement—there is um, both good and sometimes scary excitement, <laughs> which is the business of show. Um, so I guess you know it was—it um, was yeah, equal parts of being thrust into it and other parts of oh, I need to put myself more clearly on this path and build the skill set and refine my skills to do this at a higher level.
1: What was your first MD job that taught you a first couple of do's and don'ts?
0: Mm. That's a good question. Um, I think we learn uh, different things from different projects. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even from an early start, I learned the value of um, reading the room. Uh, when you know as a music director what you need to say for the integrity of the score and the musical integrity of the show, but based on certain personalities, sometimes you need to navigate mm-hmm. where your cast is and where the rest of your creative team is, to not overstep or possibly um, do say something that will be taken the wrong way. So I think um, you know it's a lot about the human, reading the human element. So uh, mm. I, I think um, <laughs> I definitely learned early on to uh, edit in a way that, edit, edit your feedback in a way that will be productive
1: to Uh, to your people. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that kind of interesting? And I, and I, I, maybe it's like human, human instinct that, of course, we have our first initial thought, but then once you filter it through, maybe only 20% comes out, just, and and again, according to what you're saying, how best it will be perceived when you just want to say, get your fucking ass together. Come on, let's do this. We ain't got time (laughs) to play. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so so, being said, what was one of many valuable lessons that you still either rings true today for you that's been valuable and or has been a prominent lesson that you've seen in every job that you've done thus far?
0: I mean, this is gonna be an obvious answer, but I think first and foremost, being kind. If you approach the work with empathy and you always frame your feedback about, hey, this is about the work, this is about the show, this is about the storytelling, if I'm always approaching my feedback uh, from a place of empathy and from a place of, hey, let's tell this story better, a hundred, 10 out of 10 times, you will get better results. You know, I, I think the second ego starts to become a factor or it becomes, you use the wrong lens. If you use the lens of, this is about me, we need to preserve our reputation. If any of those ego elements come into the room, uh, that's that just creates a more toxic environment. And ultimately, uh, people aren't comfortable as comfortable as they would be if you approached it with a place of empathy. So I think with the feedback, it's always about, um, or any kind of note giving, it's doing, you know, making it about the work and knowing and wanting, you know, all of your collaborators and your actors to know that you are on their side. You were just helping facilitate the process. You are a conduit for the storytelling.
1: Hmm, I never really thought about it in that way. It's really cool. Uh, so then to piggyback off that in the world of note giving, when it comes to being an accompanist as a music director, from what you've noticed from your point of view, being a coach or a vocal teacher, what are some valuable lessons uh, that you've passed on to either students and or clients that would help them in the professional world?
0: Mm. Especially as a accompanist, um, you know, I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of different creative teams, a lot of different casting directors. This is all obviously very pre-COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Remember oh, you didn't know day. it's happening right down the street? You didn't know?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember those good old days at, you know, 500 Pearl and the ribbon mm-hmm. You know, good old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so my perspective from behind the piano is I'm just kind of there to serve a function. Um, but what's interesting, I get to see the dynamic of the people behind the table and have, you know, 15-second you know, interactions with every human that comes into the room, uh, which kind of gives me just a very, like, small slice of life of all these parties. And so I think... Um, what I found lands best with all creative teams is for you to just be open and a real human. You know, I I think these people that come in as automatons, you know, actors, we are so set, like I am gonna do this cut and I present it in this way. You know, that rigidity doesn't necessarily read well to creative teams and makes, it's almost like a red flag to some creative teams. Like, mm, I don't know if we can meld this into the concept we have of the show that and the story we're trying to tell. So I think the best results have been when actors uh, come in with an open heart and open mind to kind of like play and like, rather than treating it as a um, as a very strict performance, just use it as an opportunity to kind of share. Uh, when, when people enter the room with that energy, it's an energy that um, people behind the table respond really well to.
1: I wonder if that then ties into my next question. What are things that you notice from your point of view as a music director that are lacking and are being missed in the audition room?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how much is missing. I think it's a matter of, Right now, the the well, number one, right now, there's nothing really
1: happening.
0: But <laughs> when things were happening, um, um, everything was at a very high bar. I mean, uh, frankly, you know, even from a musical perspective, we have such great singers coming out from all these BFA programs throughout the country. So, I it's even from a music this is going to sound funny as a music director. I don't really have any qualms with like or see any issues with what's being brought into the room musically. I think it's a matter of, um, preparation is one. Uh, A lot of people don't have the time to prepare. Um, But number two, I I think I've seen, and you know, other people may disagree, but from my perspective, even as an MD, uh, I've not seen fully connected storytelling. You know, a lot of times it's just a great voice that walks into the room, but there's no storytelling. And like, you can't have one without the either or without the other. So I feel like it's about marrying the two. And I've wish we could help actors and you know revolutionize the industry that could help um people when they come into a room feel fully comfortable to kind of marry those things um to just create better performances to give people behind the table a better sense of the true um caliber of work you can create as an artist
1: can you can you talk about this this is a complete side note but when someone walks into the room and someone is behind the piano and they've sat in there from nine and here it is now three. What is the best way to approach them? Someone who they do not know who they only have not even three minutes with to give themselves a better chance in the room? Because I always feel as though for someone who's behind the piano, they're your first lifeline, man. They're your ride or die. They can either make you or break you in that moment.
0: Um, I think when you come over to the pianist, you know, just be a human. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, honestly, like if you approach with kindness and like, hey, even just a nice check-in, how's your day been? Because yeah. maybe if I'm feeling real honest. I'm going like, oh, today's been a little something, you know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I think a human element. Once again, I'm always back to this human element. Maybe because we've all been in quarantine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The human element. I think. Uh, already puts me in a place that I want to help you book this job like as the pianist I am your collaborator I am your scene partner in a way I'm your scene partner of the song Mm -hmm. Um, you know I want to do a good job for you so if I already feel comfortable with your energy and your presence like I'm gonna like play the crap out of this cut and we're gonna rock and go to town and you're gonna sound great Um, so I think you know just being a good human and also making sure as a as an actor um, you have the musical elements like you know how to describe what you want musically out of your cuts I see. so clear communication of style of tempo making sure your cuts are clearly marked i mean all those basics we learned at our bfa programs um you know uh as long as you clearly communicate what you want we will deliver for you because we want to help you book the job yeah
1: so now we've booked the job in the rehearsal period what is a pet peeve of yours oh oh um after
0: we run a section especially big ensemble like there's always the big all hands on deck opening number Mm -hmm. i will oftentimes see casts where every single hand is raised because they all are ready for their individual rehearsal tracks and i know everybody wants individual rehearsal tracks we will get there Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, i think especially in um like so many summer stocks and when you're on a short rehearsal timelines like i can't use our entire rehearsal time to make you tracks like i will give those to you after end of day but uh Yes, I think that is my biggest thing of like, I actually do know what you need, oftentimes. <laughs> so just wait, just like I guess it's letting actors know. I appreciate actors um, being conscientious and wanting to be on top of things, but sometimes just I know we hate the saying, but just trust in the process. Like, make answer many of the questions. <laughs> you know what I Like, yeah, just yeah. trust. You know, like, I will get you that rehearsal track, ma'am, on the Alto 2 line. Yes, I know that part is weird. Okay, listen, especially, I mean, like, yeah, it's, like, uh, rate, it's weird, but altos, I know you got a tough job. Your track is coming. But, you know, of course, through the trees, you know, uh, oftentimes these rehearsals, we need to create raw shapes mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of get through it. And then we go into the detail, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and once again, love that mm-hmm. actors are conscientious, but one thing at a time,
1: you know. Mhm. A complete side note, back to the audition real quick. We were progressing forward. We were doing so well. And now we're back now you didn't make it kid. You didn't make it. You didn't make the cut. Um can you please talk about um the the, the direction in which theater is moving? Unless you're doing uh like a standard or a contemporary show, we seem to be heading into this pop rock age, right? So when we talk about a uh, an eight, which is very rare, an eight bar, 16 bar and 32 bar cut. When we pick material and when we go into the room, and let's just start with 32 bar cut. What best in a 32 bar cut shows to you who we are in terms of what you might be looking for for that show?
0: Sure, just from, um, I'm gonna get a little technical so everybody buckle up. Uh, Rather than just giving me the final uh, final chorus with your option ending and like just screlting your face off for 32 bars, what I find far more interesting is give me a bridge. Mm. I don't even do a text, give me a verse. Mm. Like, um, I find that much more interesting, even from an MD's perspective, because like people think, oh, the MD needs to hear what I can do vocally. So I just need to like, you know, just blast and like show my full vocal, like, you know, um, you know, the outer extremities. What I'm more interested in is what you can actually do with words, because from that, I can kind of surmise from your vocal quality and how you approach your own instrument, kind of your own range. And we can check that later, but... I'd rather make it interesting. So I'm all about interesting cuts, like take this bridge into this chorus, like mm. pick the lyrics that mean the most to you that you could string together as a coherent story. I mean, don't totally arts and crafts every single cut, but I, I think you can get creative um, with how you do cuts. But from a 32 bar, especially that's, that offers you sh- song structure wise, uh, you know, a, a bridge, a chorus, maybe part of another verse. I mean, it, it it offers a lot of different colors and a lot of different storytelling. So like. Obviously, if the role now, I mean, to be fair, if the role requires a certain mm-hmm. vocal, um, like, uh, t- timbre or a certain, like, range, um, you want your cut to possibly be close to that. But it doesn't mean I need to hear you scrout the high a Like, maybe in the callback material, that is your opportunity to showcase that, you know? Um, so don't feel the need to present everything in the first, um, at the first date, if you will, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we're uh, really getting to know you. I mean, I, I, and I really feel like in... I think most people in the industry would agree this is kind of a it's a long-term relationship we're doing here okay we don't lay all of our cards out on the first date you know we're just getting to know you and like artists you know what i mean
1: yeah so. yeah so then when let's say now let's trick let's work are we done now when is the 16 bar cut how best um Making smart choices because it's all about the smart choices. When you walk into the room, what is this to you as an MD? What is a smart choice when someone walks into the room with a 16 bar cut? So the 16 bar is a it's
0: it's trickier uh, mm-hmm. because it's a narrower lens. So mm-hmm. I think you need to kind of decide what you're accomplishing with that 16 bar. What are you wanting to show here? Are you wanting to show that you ha- have the sustained? You know, you can sing a lyrical ballad with a gorgeous vocalism, but also interesting storytelling. Are you looking to showcase patter with the 16 bar just to spit out text and show intensity? Like, I, I think don't try to accomplish everything. Just mm-hmm. kind of focus on, hey, what am I trying to do with this? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I found 16s are used as after the 32, we're kind of checking the are like, oh, we're interested in you. Let's hear something else, but it needs to be a little bit shorter just to keep us on time. So have your 16s and just kind of know how they function for you as an artist and what they can show a team that doesn't already
1: know you. And then, last but not least, not that it's happened to me, but what do we do with these eight bar cuts? Well, listen, I mean, we've
0: all been in the Disney Cruise Line auditions. Bless DCL. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I oh my actually, God. <laughs> the horror stories, truly. Um, Anyway, uh, I have not actually been in the room for a DCL call, so I cannot speak firsthand. I can only speak on behalf of the other wonderful humans in this industry that I know that have uh, had uh, battle wounds from being in Mm -hmm. those situations. And I I think with the eight, it's just have your wits about you Mm -hmm. and making sure your vocal technique is really solid because so often those eights are just the brutal, like long sustained skrell note at the end. Um, So just like... Buckling up and making sure you have your wits about you.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because thinking about it, it was almost three years ago now that I've done it, my DCL. I don't ever remember doing an eight bar cut, but then again, I was at the top of the day. So I had all the time in the world. And they're like, take your 32. I was like, really? That's a luxury. Dang. Um, (laughs) But, but then my question is this, do you think that sometimes we compromise a high note and or a money note for that, for what you've been telling, for what you've been saying now, the past three times is that good storytelling quality do you think that there's sometimes that there's the misconception in between that i have to sing high all the time because if it's 10 a.m you might, you better hit that b flat four good if you can't you like you know yeah i mean i just think
0: it depends on the project you know and uh, and the project and also who's casting it and also we kind of have the amount rushmore's in the industry right like elphaba has to like you know hit this you know and uh, And I I get the money note thing. And oftentimes, especially if even on a first round, if they already sent the the cuts in advance, sometimes the money note is built into the cut. Like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in which case, you know, I I think that's when you're, as, you know, actors, we need to make sure we're building stamina. So that way, even when you're slightly hungover, having, you know, a post-nasal drip day, you can still deliver um deliver the goods you know and and that honestly just comes down to just having good technique and knowing thyself knowing your own body to deliver that um and also i think there's a certain amount of having the wisdom of you know if i'm truly under the weather you know perhaps trying to reschedule or be in touch with the team you know um because at the same time we don't necessarily want people bringing in germs to the room um Mm -hmm. because we lot of people, and especially in the age of COVID, (laughs) terms are bad. Um, You know, I I think uh, just being being
1: smart about it.
0: Mm -hmm. You have to be smart.
1: Uh, So now backtrack to the rehearsal room. Sorry, the slight deviation, everyone. I just, (laughs) these things, sometimes they just come up and I just got to ask them, well, they're still fresh in my mind. Um, What are signs of someone who's taking the work seriously when you're in the rehearsal room? You know, I, I think
0: it's when we see people who have done the research. I love it when actors have done research and have questions and except for the, all the aggressive questions at the end of a group number, not that. Um, but in terms of wanting to figure out how the song functions with the character, like I love unpacking song structure and lyric structure and of course the you know, musical structure. I, I think all those things are fascinating. When an actor um, comes in with questions and already has ideas, uh, I, it's the questions but it's also the ideas if they've done their research they've already gotten to a point where they have certain ideas of who the character is and of course the directing team will have notes and that's their part i'm just speaking from the md's perspective you know specifically within the songs i love unpacking being like oh yes i never thought about that phrase as this or you know and basically what can happen is as an md i can kind of collaborate with actors and we can marry our visions and create something so um so vital and so unique to that particular actor on that song um, to me, that's the sign of a well-prepared actor who comes in with ideas and with questions. Um, I think that's, uh, the best kind of collaboration. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. So you're notified when a new episode is posted, rate and review this podcast and be sure to share with your friends. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on next week's episode of how to business in show business.